On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We believe in business, we believe in private enterprise, and there's a lot that we can do as a business community, but the assist from government comes in a number of ways. Working together to create a regional priority list for the Iowa legislature. It's not a new concept for two Eastern Iowa organizations. A new year means new laws, and one in California could hurt Iowa pork producers. And in our business profile, we'll hear more about one company's actions that have changed a whole industry. This is the Iowa Business Report for New Year's Weekend 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Iowa General Assembly gavels into session on Monday, January 10th, and since adjournment last year, folks have been working on wish lists for what the next legislative session should accomplish. Two Eastern Iowa organizations, the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance and the Iowa City Area Business Partnership, work together again this year to jointly develop their legislative priority list to benefit the region and the state. Doug Newman is executive director of the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. The Economic Alliance is a membership organization here in the Cedar Rapids region. We do economic development, workforce development, community development, public policy, and business support. We're basically the chamber and the economic development organization for this region. When it comes to public policy, we can be so much more influential and powerful if we speak with a unified voice, both for the business community but also if we can make the region more than just ourselves. So it's been great to partner with the Iowa City Business Partnership now for four years running and present a unified legislative priorities list when we go to the legislature here starting in January. How important is it for similarly minded groups, similarly situated groups to get together on a common set of priorities in order to actually affect change? I think it's very important, and it's just as so many more voices. We represent 1,200 business members, about 90,000-plus employees in that business membership. So we're talking with a lot of voices and a lot of unified voices when we do go to the legislature, and and certainly we hope that they understand that we're talking for more than just ourselves, that we're a representative of the business community. And then when you multiply that business community to be not just Lynn County, but Lynn and Johnson County together, and then really beyond that, our seven-county economic region, I do think that it becomes more powerful. You pull in more of the delegation. We were able to get a number of rural legislators there that probably wouldn't have come to a Cedar Rapids-only event, and we were able to get legislators there that represented a number of counties to hear our priorities, start to build those relationships, say, hey, see you see over in Des Moines in January. If there is a general theme that is dominating the conversation these days, what is it? It's all about workforce. And I'm glad you asked the question. Workforce really winds up meaning a lot of things. So this pretty long list of priorities, you wind up talking about immigration and child care and housing, but everything relates back to workforce. If we're talking about community placemaking, it's how do we make this a more attractive community and more attractive region? to attract and retain workforce. If we're talking about child care or housing, 
It's how do we get people back into the workforce that might be out of the workforce right now? So even under a whole bunch of different labels and a whole bunch of different priorities, the theme is workforce and the need for workers to better drive our economy and the great shortages that, uh, that we're facing across the state of Iowa right now. Obviously, you folks are capitalists, right? I mean, you want business to grow and develop, but you need some government assistance. There are limitations to what government can do. They can't do everything, nor should they in our society, our capitalist society. So what specifically can the Iowa General Assembly do to help you meet these goals that you've set out? Certainly, and I agree with that statement. We believe in business. We believe in private enterprise. And there's a lot that we can do as a business community. But the assist from government comes in a number of ways. And by the way, these tend to be very bipartisan issues. I know we live in a divisive, challenging political climate these days at the federal level and at the state level. But when you're talking about economic growth and community betterment, business success, There is a lot of room for both sides of the aisle to come together on these priorities. And we enjoy working in that space. Uh, I'm not sure that I'd want to work in some of the divisive, chaotic parts of politics these days. But I really do enjoy working on these issues sort of centered to community betterment and business. You've got these broad category specific items within each, but if you were to prioritize the things that are of utmost importance, the things that you're really going to lead with, identify some of those and and tell me what you hope the legislature can do in those areas. We have the long list for those that uh, really love public policy and want to get into the details at our website, cedarrapids.org. You can read more than 50 specific uh, legislative priorities, but they really do categorize in some big overall buckets. We would start with child care. There was some progress last year, and I think there was a lot more agreement that didn't quite get to the finish line. So when you look at the task force that the governor put together and some of the recommendations that came out related to childcare, ways to pay childcare workers better to get more people into that system, there's a lot of demand there and that would get workers back. I think that's at the top of the list. We do want to try to protect economic development tools that we have to help grow business, particularly related to workforce. Sometimes things like tax increment financing or research and activities tax credits can get a little bit controversial. We are willing to show return on investments of the taxpayer dollars for those tax incentive programs. And those always remain on top of our list, not to expand them, but just to protect the tools that we have to try to drive those things. A couple quick things that I think business organizations maybe haven't traditionally been in. There is a shortage of housing in Iowa and in our communities right now, and it is inhibiting economic growth. That hasn't always necessarily been a business association issue, but it is now. Workforce housing tax credit programs and other ways to incent housing, both in urban and in rural communities, is a big part of our agenda. Another thing I think is very bipartisan in nature is talent development The Governor's Future Ready Iowa program now for a couple of years running has created some good programs, put some funding in place where people can do some training, upskilling people, and hopefully getting more people into the workforce. All of these are obviously important. Some of them might be easier to accomplish. Some might be heavier lifts. All things being equal, and we have no enhanced pandemic outbreak or anything else, if everything stays pretty much the same during the next four months of the legislative session, 
What would you say you would be able to accomplish pretty quickly if people with similar minds just actually sat down and took care of business? What might you be able to get done quickly as opposed to things that might take all session? When you look at the work that's been done with some of these task forces, with private citizens, businesses coming together that now have recommendations in front of the legislature and in front of the governor, I think those things have the best chance at getting traction. So childcare solutions, a more accessible, affordable, quality childcare was probably at the top of my wish list. I also do think that it's at the top of the likely to get done list. They made a lot of progress last year. A couple of things almost got to the finish line. And I think if the legislature and the governor are open-minded to the recommendations of the task force, that those are things that can definitely get done. Some of these other things always sound easy in December, but boy, do they get hard come April. So I have high hopes for some other things. I believe that infrastructure investment and housing and placemaking, quality of life amenity, construction and projects in communities. I believe that those things are important and they should be bipartisan, but I've also been doing this for long enough to realize that uh, it won't be as easy in a couple of months as it might sound right now. Doug Newman, Executive Director of the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. You can learn more about the legislative priorities of the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City groups by going to their respective websites, cedarrapids.org or iowacityarea.com. We spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, December 15th. Next week on this program, we'll talk with the folks from the Iowa Business Council about their legislative priorities. Still to come this week, Bacon Ban and more on a revolutionary manufacturing concept developed in Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Where can you find eight different museums and art galleries within one walkable square mile? Why, in Waterloo, of course. Waterloo, Iowa is home to the Sullivan Brothers Veterans Museum, the Dan Gable National Wrestling Museum, the John Deere Tractor and Engine Museum, the Waterloo Center for the Arts, and more. Which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit, stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. More than three years ago, California voters approved Proposition 12, which would require farmers to provide more space for animals raised for food that is sold in the state. The law takes effect with the start of 2022, and folks are figuring out that this applies to food sold in that state meaning pork raised in a place like Iowa would have to comply with those new space rules in order to sell product there. As a result, some of the nation's largest producers say they'll just stop selling products in California. Others have filed lawsuits claiming the California law violates the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution by requiring out-of-state producers to comply or face a sale ban. Iowa 1st District Congresswoman Ashley Hinson introduced a bill last August called the Exposing Agricultural Trade Suppression Act in the U.S. House. The acronym for the bill is the EATS Act. 
The bill has co-sponsors in the Senate, but to this point has not been passed by either chamber. So as the new year begins, Californians may find it hard to get bacon to go with their order of eggs, and producers may at least temporarily lose access to the state with the largest population in our country. Coming up, grease production with new technology. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. Get into the game and read our January-February issue that features a cover story about the only NBA team in Iowa, the Waterloo Hawks, as well as in-depth stories about poet Charles Blandon, the Soldiers and Sailors Civil War Monument, and the winner of the Miss Perfect Back of America contest. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at hy or Fairway or visit iowahistoryjournal.com to order today. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and get details on their 2022 legislative agenda by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile this week, we continue a conversation with Dr. Lou Honnery, president of Environmental Lubricants Manufacturing Incorporated. Last week on the program, Dr. Honnery told us of how the ELM plant, then in Plainfield, caught fire in 2007 because of the volatile heat transfer process used at the time to make grease. It was not a unique problem. In fact, in June 2021, a similar plant in Illinois was destroyed due to the same reason. Removing 130 million pounds of grease from the domestic market each year. The Iowa experience led ELM to come up with a new, safer production method, and in the process, changed an industry. And so, this is a serious issue with the technology that people have been using since 1940s. And so, when this fire happened in 2007, I just really was afraid to make grease again because. The process appears so dangerous. And the more research I did, the more I found that this event happens maybe once a quarter somewhere in the world. A facility goes up in flame because this is how people are used to and they think it works. And, and so there are all sorts of reasons why this could happen. Long story short, we created a, a new way of making grease by researching for alternative sources of heat. We looked at infrared, we look at sonic heating, we look at microwave heating and induction heating. And of all of those, we found that microwave heating could actually work really good. I give the example that my wife always heats up milk on a stove in a pot, and she has to stand there and stir it. Otherwise, it burns at the bottom because the bottom is so hot and touching the heating element. I put a cup of milk in the microwave, and a minute later, It's brought to right temperature. I can go a minute, 10 seconds to get it hotter if I wanted to. And then I can grab the cup and take it out. The cup is cold, but the milk is hot. The reason being that microwave excites the molecules of the milk and generates heat by friction of the molecules moving about. And so it is much safer. It's much faster. It doesn't need mixing. And so I'm just wondering why nobody is looking, has looked at this. Luckily, we have one of the largest microwave manufacturers in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. 
is Amtec Microwave Systems. They've been around, they're very advanced. They have some of the best microwave equipment in the world. And so I went there, they happily cooperated and we got a, a 800 gallon vessel and we attached it to their microwaves and we started heating up products and it worked. So in 2010, we came to our new facility and started another grease plant. This time, right from the beginning, we started working with microwaves. And in the process, we learned that not only microwaves are safer to run and make the grease, but they're actually much better in terms of not damaging the product during processing. Because getting back to that example of the milk on the stove, when we burn one layer at a time and the walls of the vessels are so hot, every layer of the soybean oil that you expose to that high temperature oxidizes and becomes plasticized and becomes thick and actually damages the product. Whereas when we cook with microwave, we don't have any hot spots. <laughs> you just excite the molecules of the product and you get the heating done. And the temperature control is very accurate. When we want to go to 200 degrees centigrade, we go to 199 to 201. <laughs> Within one degree, it always goes there exactly to the temperature. If there is a problem, if you have a runaway reaction, all you have to do is just shut the microwaves off all input heat stops. The only thing you have to worry about is the heat of the product. Whereas in the conventional way, even when you shut the system off, all the mass of that heated oil that is in the jacket of the vessel will continue to provide heat. So this is a much, much safer system. And of course, people think microwaves are like nuclear waves or nuclear radiation. It really is not. Microwaves are just radio waves that go into the product. They have a north and south magnetic field. So that magnetic field is north-south that basically changes direction 915 million times a second because our microwaves are 915 megahertz. And so the molecules of the products also have magnetic lines of force north and south. These north and south will attract, north and north will repel. And so the magnetic fields cause the magnetic lines of these products to try to align and they can't keep up and, and move and vibrate and run into each other and generate fractional heat. So we have to explain that really microwave heating is no different than putting fire on their products and causing them to expand and start moving and jump bumping into each other and heating, except we use magnetic lines of force or the magnetic energy of the waves to excite the molecules. And I truly believe that that's the 21st century technology, because once it catches up with the food industry and people who are cooking ketchup or soup or, or milk or dairy products, they will realize that they don't need to have jacketed vessels with high pressure steam, which is very dangerous, or heat transfer oil, which is very dangerous, or mixing arm to wipe the inside of the vessel. They could just bring the microwaves directly into the vessel. The technology is over 80 years old and it's very, very advanced. The safety is incredible. If there is any leakage of microwave, we have sensors that pick up on it. If there is any arcing, we have sensors that pick up on it. So it's a very safe system. 11 years, we have been cooking millions of pounds of grease here at ELM. It's been great. The best thing that has happened to us now is that this process has helped cut the cost of production to the point where now we have a bio-based and biodegradable soybean oil-based grease 
that matches the price and performance of petroleum products. Biggest barrier to, to our success because our prices were maybe three times more than petroleum products before we came up with this processing technique. This appears to be just a tremendous jumping off point for the business with apologies to the others. Yeah. We don't want anyone to be put out sure, of business, sure, but sure, realistically, sure. you're filling a niche. Absolutely. I think, again, you read in the history of technology and most entrepreneurs, they always talk about sometimes the perfect storm or the stars lining up, right? Start of this year, we thought we were going to have the market last year, but COVID came and interrupted us. But starting January, we've got a generation of young people who are becoming the leaders of today who are genuinely interested in sustainability. They have children, they have families, they're beginning to think of the environment, and they want to reduce that carbon footprint. So we have got a generation of people who are very serious about this. It's not like the previous generation who like to have just the appearance to say it's good to be some environment friendly or we are it, but they are very serious about this kind of technology. They want environment friendly products. On one hand, we're manufacturing bio-based products with microwaves to sell it to our customers and so on. On the other hand, we are promoting the use of microwave technology to be used for food and industrial processes and the greases. Dr. Lou Honnery, president of Environmental Lubricants Manufacturing Incorporated, online at elmusa.com. We spoke via Zoom on Tuesday, December 21st. In light of the better cost and greater demand, Dr. Honnery says the company plans to triple production in the new year 2022. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week and a prosperous new year. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.